You got your Bibles there, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and let's read verse number 12 again, I'll, I'll pause for, um, for effect here, you ready? Here we go, 1 Timothy 4, 12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Uh, we're going to talk tonight about this word, conversation. It's not what you think it would be. Uh, this is the biblical word for conversation. We'll talk about that here. But first, I wanted to tell you a joke, all right? I'm just trying to... Uh, it helps me out more than it helps you, okay? Um, but uh, there, was a, uh, there was a church, and the main pianist, she, uh, she got sick, or he got sick, I guess in our case here, Brother Randy. Uh, but the main church pianist got sick, and the, the pastor... Um, was just, he was just, he was in frantic mode because the main pianist wasn't there and he, he's trying to raise money for the new roof that needed to be done. There's holes all in the roof and there needed buckets all throughout the auditorium and they needed money for a new roof. And he's, that's what's, he's got his focus on that. He's all, you know, all great. Here's another thing. I got to ask the people for money and now, now we don't have enough. I don't even have my main pianist here. And so he goes to the, the substitute pianist and he says, listen, um, you know, I don't know what's, what, here's the order of service. Um, I, I need something for as soon as I give the announcement about the, the money, if you just sing something while we hand the offering out, and uh, that would be great. I don't know what, just sing something, just play something. And uh, so it gets up to that time. He stands in front of the, uh, the people and he says, now, we're going to need some money for our new roof. We, we don't have the, the money in the budget for a new roof. If, if we need some people here... Uh, you know, as the old expression was, you know, the, we have the good news is we, uh, the bad news is we need a roof. The good news is we have all the money we need. It's just in your pockets. So, uh, but that's the way the preacher's kind of coming up and he's uh, trying to wax eloquent, trying to get the people um, excited about this, about giving money. And he said, if I can ask somebody, if you'd be willing to give a pledge a hundred dollars to stand up, if you'd stand up, if you want to pledge a hundred dollars um, towards this new roof. And the substitute pianist didn't really, again, know the order of service too well, and she didn't really have anything ready. And so she starts playing the Star-Spangled Banner. And as soon as she starts playing, people start standing up. And that's how the substitute pianist became the main pianist after that. But uh, anyway, let's go ahead and look at this here. 1 Timothy 4.12. This, again, is just our springing board. But that one word in there, um, if you were here Wednesday night, I, I do enjoy studying just the words in the Bible. Um, I believe every word is important. But then also, um, there, there's phrases that are important as well. But we're, we're going to study the word conversation today. Now, the meaning, what we think conversation, uh, we think, um, you know, we stand and we're talking. There's a dialogue between two different people. Um, but that is not what the word conversation means in the Bible, um, the, the word conversation means it's a manner of life, conduct, or behavior. The general course of manners, behavior, especially as it respects morals. That's what the Webster's Dictionary says. So this word conversation, we, we read it as in, yes, you've got to make sure that your, your dialogue between one another is right. And yes, there's some validity to that. But the, what the word is talking about here, um, the Greek word is, Anastrophe, anastrophe, or something like that. Um, but that's the Greek word meaning, it's talking about your conduct, your day-to-day -day life. If you will, your testimony. God is talking to young, uh, Paul is talking to young Timothy here. And he says, Timothy, yes, you're young, but let no man despise thy youth. Be an example of the believers in word and in conversation. 
He said, he said, Timothy, I want your testimony to be that that somebody can be, uh, somebody can use as an example. I want your testimony to be right. I want your testimony, your conversation, your day to day life to be that of what Jesus Christ would have done in his day to day life. He says, uh, let no man despise our youth and, and be an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and in purity. So let's look at this word conversation uh, this morning. Um, uh, Timothy was a young man that needed to have a good testimony to influence the people of Ephesus. And Paul stressed that, uh, stressed that there in this verse here. Um, especially as a young preacher, um, you do not, honestly, nobody forced you I don't, I don't know, but nobody forced you to come to church tonight. Nobody forced you to come to church on a daily basis or, or no, you know, during the service times. Nobody forces you to do that. But you come out of your own volition, right? And the preacher does not have the authority to say, hey, you better be in church on Sunday morning. I want to see you here bright and early. You better be there. Now, I'm, I work for him, so yes, he can say that to me. But uh, for as a church member, he can't do that. And so what does he lead by? He does not lead by, uh, by fear. He leads by influence. And this is what we've been given. Everybody on earth has an influence on somebody, and that influence is your conversation. It's your daily life. It's your testimony. So let's look at some things here, what the Bible says about our conversation, I think will be a help to you. If you take your Bible, if you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to be just in a little bit here, but stay in the New Testament mainly. But Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. Um, when I was when I was growing up, uh, we would play in the pool. I had two younger brothers, like I mentioned this morning, and uh, of course, as the older brother, I was the smarter one. Okay, and so I knew the tricks and trades that they eventually would learn, and then I had to learn new tricks to get them from their old tricks that I used to do. So that's how that's how it worked. And uh, so we would play Marco Polo in the pool, and I would play. And of course, you tell everybody the rules to Marco Polo is you yell out the the one that's it has to have his eyes closed, and he yells out, Marco, and everybody else yells out, Polo. So you can try to give your, your place away, and you have, to, you have to tag them. Now, you're supposed to keep your eyes closed. Uh, supposed to, okay? Um, now, I would, I would tell them, hey, you better make sure that your eyes are closed. And then me, myself, when I got it, um, it was not the same way. I, never, I didn't tell myself to keep my eyes closed. I was telling them. Um, but, but I would not keep my eyes closed. I'd keep them cracked just a little bit where you couldn't tell. And of course, you kind of play around like, oh man, I don't know where. Polo, okay. Uh, uh, uh. You play around a little bit and then you know where they're at. You still tag them. Um, so yes, you can talk the talk. And a lot of people today know how to talk the talk of Christianity. But it's not just talking the talk. This is your conversation. This is your testimony. It's walking the walk of Christianity. Anybody can talk the talk. Anybody can say, this is how you're supposed to live your Christian life. But yet, it takes a whole different level to be able to walk that Christian life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today here. The Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says this, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among those, some, some wicked people here. Among whom also we had had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as unto others. So we realize that this conversation, this testimony, there is a good testimony, what Paul was trying to encourage Timothy to have, but then there's also a bad 
testimony or a bad conversation that we can have in our life. Um, uh, written here in verse number 3, again, he says, you, You've had a, 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 our conversation in times past have been in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. This was, a, this was a, an uncontrolled, unlimited, fleshly desire was our testimony. Whatever I want, that's what I'm going to have. That was the testimony of many of us in here today. But here's the thing, um, you know, the, number one, there's three points that I have for today. Number one is we have to put away the old conversation. We have to put away our old lifestyle. You cannot be a Christian that has a strong flesh and a strong spirit. It just doesn't work out that way. There is one that's strong and there's one that's weak. Uh, it's just how it is. There's not going to be two strong uh, forces in your life. You have a strong flesh. Everyone has a strong flesh because that's where we were. We were born into sins. We, and, and sin was I conceived. We are born sinners. We have a sin nature, that old man that lives inside of us. And Paul is telling the, the Ephesian church, he said, you need to put away the old conversation. That conversation that fulfilled the desires of the flesh. That conversation that lusted after things that it ought not to lust. That is what I want you to put away. So we have to realize, number one, is we have to put away the old conversation. We have to put away the old testimony that we carry. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, just a couple of chapters over. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look down at verse number 22. There's more to this, but for time I'm just going to read verse number 22. Ephesians 4, verse number 22, the Bible says this, That ye put off concerning what? The former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. So we do realize that there is an old man, this old conversation, this old lifestyle that we all have lived with. And Paul says here in Ephesians, he says, I know that you've got this old flesh, and I want you to put this flesh away. I want you to put it away from you. We have to do that. That's an action that needs to be done. You see, you see the verse there, he says, that you put off concerning the former conversation. It's not something that just happens. Uh, when we get saved, the moment we get saved, there is a renewing of our spirit. Our, our spirit is quickened, the Bible says, which just means to be made alive. And our spirit is made alive, but yet we still have the old flesh until the day we die. And the, till the day we die, we have to work on daily putting off, sometimes hourly and minutely, but taking off and putting off this old flesh, this old testimony that we've been carrying around. Um, there is a, the, the, the testimony, or the, the testimony of a deceitful life, a testimony of fulfilling the lust of the flesh. God says, I want you to put that away. Put it off. I don't want you to have it anymore. So number one, we need to put that away. There were two Christian boys, two Christian families in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, they had two young boys about the same age. And they were out in the front yard. And of course, like boys, they started playing with each other. And then playing turned into a misunderstanding. A misunderstanding turned into an argument. An argument turned into pushing and shoving. And pushing and shoving eventually turned into a knockdown, drag-out fight. And then one of the boys, both of them know, knew that they were Christian, went to church together. One of the boys pulled himself off the other boy and he said, listen here. We are both Christians, and it's about time somebody acted like a Christian. Why don't you start? That's the way we act sometimes, okay? We have a flesh that wants to, to be in control of our life, but we have to be Christian enough 
to say, I'm not going to fulfill the desires of my flesh. I'm going to fulfill what God has for me. So there, the number one that we have to realize about our testimony is that there is there has to be a putting off of the old and accepting of the new. But there needs to be this putting off. You know what's amazing that the devil will do to you? Every day, the devil does, it's great. The devil has this tool that he uses called guilt. And guilt has kept so many Christians from really fulfilling what God has for them in their life. What did God say? Uh, Jesus said himself, he said, you know, if somebody's going to look back with their hands on the plow and they're looking back, guess what? They're not fit for the kingdom of God. Because they're always looking back. They're not able to do anything. I don't know about you. I've never plowed before, but I've watched some stuff on television, okay? Um, I understand that you have a plow, you've got a mule, and that mule is standing there and you're, you're holding your plow. And if you were to look away and keep your mind, your, your face facing the wrong way, eventually you're not going to have straight lines. You're going to be all over the place, okay? Um, that's sort of organic planting right there. Uh, but you're going to be all over the place. And this is what God tells us. He says, listen, um, you know, don't, don't keep looking back. The devil, all he will do is remind you of what you used to be. He'll remind you of the sins that you struggled with and continue to struggle with. That's what he does. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. I'm going to tell you this. Accuser doesn't mean that he's making things up. The accuser is he's accusing you of things that you have done. Um, for me, man, the devil says, Psh, what are you doing standing in front of people? You know what you've done. You know the history that you've had. You know the life that you've lived. What do you think gives you the, the, the opportunity to stand in front of these people? And the devil uses guilt to get at us. He, he's the one that pumps up that old flesh and says, "You look at this old thing that you've got. Look at the sins that you've been carrying around for your whole life. That's what the devil will do. And the devil is a master at that. Um, an old preacher used to say, when the devil brings up your past, Guess what? Remind him of his future. That's what you need to do. When the devil, and he will come to you, and he will accuse you, and he says, what do, what do you think you're doing having a marriage that you have? What do you think you're doing telling your kids how to live when you know you've struggled with those same things? What are you doing telling your coworker how they ought to behave when you yourself struggle with some things? And this is what happens. The devil will bring the, our past up, that old flesh. And Paul says, I want you to put that off. The putting off of the old conversation. Um, uh, um, guilt will keep you discouraged and it will keep you defeated. Honestly, I've met Christians um, out knocking on doors or just people out, out and about in your daily life. Those Christians that used to do something. Well, I used to be in church. I used to do um, a service. I used to sing in a choir. I used to be a Sunday school teacher. And what are they doing now? They are living a life of guilt, regret, and defeat. But that's what the devil wants us. The devil, he, he's already lost her soul. You get that. He, we're already saved. We're going to heaven. So what's the next best thing for the devil? To keep us defeated. To keep us from seeking the Lord and doing something for God. So the devil says, hey, you know what? Come on. Come over here. Let me tell you something. Let me show you what you used to do. Man, what do you think you're doing living a Christian? What do you think you're going to church and putting on a face for? You know the sin that you've done. You know the life that you've lived. And Paul says, listen, I want us to put off that old testimony, that old conversation. I want you to put it off from you and get away from it. Um, uh, one of the songs I love the most, what sins are you talking about? Uh, and now as I thank Him day after day for washing my sins away, it seems He can almost hear the voice of the blessed Savior say, 
What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. Guess what? God does not remember your sins. The Bible says in Hebrews that He's taken our sins, He's wrapped them up, and He's tossed them behind His back. Our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. That old lifestyle, you do not have to live in guilt because of that old lifestyle. Yes, has it hindered you today? Yes, there are some things that we live with, some scars that we carry. But I cannot let those past, I cannot let my past keep me from doing what God wants me to do. I have to put that away. I have to get it away. The bad habits, the secret sins, the filthy thoughts, the lies, the pride, the selfishness. Put them off. Get them away. Put it away. Put it away. You have to make the decision to take off the old man. Nobody can do it for you. Preacher, you could come to church all day long, every day, and preacher cannot enough make you get off the old man. You have to decide when you wake up, hey, I'm not doing this today. Lord, what do you want me to do? God, I'm, I'm sacrificing, I'm mortifying the members of my flesh. I want to be crucified with Christ. I'm, I'm crucifying the old man. And Lord, I want to do what you want me to do today. So we have to make sure, number one, we put off the old Man, that old conversation that we carry. But take your Bibles, if you will, turn to First Peter. And we're going to be in First, first and Second Peter here for the rest of the message. But First Peter chapter 1, First Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read two verses here. So number one, we have to make sure we put off the old conversation. But what do we do now? What do we do after that? Once we've crucified the flesh, what do we do? Verse number 15 of First Peter 1 says, But as he which hath called you is holy... So be ye holy in all manner of what? Conversation. Conversation. Your testimony. God says, as I am holy, I want you to be holy in your conversation. Verse number 16. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now I have a problem with that. Because I'm still a sinner. I have a problem with that. Because I still have the old flesh. How am I, a sinner, supposed to be holy in the presence of a just God? Well, we've talked about it this morning, talked about it tonight. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed those sins away. I don't struggle with those anymore. Yes, I struggle with the effects of sin, but I'm not held in bondage anymore to sin. God has released me from the bonds of sin. I am free, free, yes, free indeed because of Jesus Christ. So yes, I put off the old man, but I have to replace him with the new man. I have to strengthen this godly conversation that God wants me to have. This testimony that God wants me to have. God says, I want you to work on that every day. I want you to work on that. Be ye holy as I am holy. That is a, that is a challenge from God to say, hey, you know what? Jesus has shed, has shed His blood for your sins. You are cleansed in the eyes of a holy, just God. But you are to live like a Christian. You are to live holy. I want you to be holy. I want you to act holy. Uh, we just bought a new to us van. And uh, we bought this van. And we again, we've only been here uh, yesterday, made a month. And so, of course, you know, you've got a garage. Guys, you know about that. A garage is where you throw everything at. Okay? That's where everything just stays. And how I'll get to that eventually. You walk in there. It's like, man, I really got to go over and... Uh, you know, go read a book or something. I don't really have time to do this right now. And uh, so that's where stuff stays. But we bought this van on Monday. And you know what? Monday night, I'm like, honey, this van has been garage kept. I looked underneath that thing and it's clean. There's no rust on it at all. And I'm like, honey, that van's not staying outside. 
I'm going to get that garage cleaned up. And man, I'll tell you, we worked, me and little Timmy and Charity and Elaine, we cleaned up that garage on Monday night. And guess where that van stayed? Right in that garage from the beginning. Now, here's the thing. We live in an unholy world. God says, I want you to be holy. But guess where we live? Guess what? I can't walk down the street without seeing something that I ought not to. I can't drive down the road without, as Brother Lopez said, a maniac cutting me off. And, and Brother Lopez said he did wave all of his fingers back at the man. But here's the thing. I live in a sinful world. I live in an unholy world. But God commands me to be holy. Ten different times in the Bible, God tells us that He wants us to be holy. He wants us to get rid of the old and replace it with this new testimony of living a holy life. Being holy is being pure without blemish. But how do we do that? If, if You don't have to turn there, but 1 John 1, 9. This is my life's verse, okay? At some points, more than, more than others. But it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus Christ says, I know you live in a... Okay, sorry, i got to stick behind the mobile. I know you live in, a, in, a, in a, a nasty world. I know you live in a sinful world. But if you come to me, you confess your sins, I will cleanse you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's how we live holy. Yes, um... You know, the, the Bible talks here in 1 John 1, and we're not going to have time to look at it, but he says to walk in the light. Now, I don't know about you, I still trip to this day. I walk upstairs and I trip, okay? I've been watching our president too much, but, but I, I, I trip all over the place. And so for me, it, it's, it's a struggle to do daily walking, okay? If I'm looking at my phone, I remember when I was a teenager, I was looking at my phone, and I was walking down in Walmart, and I was just texting or whatever I was doing. I'd probably read my Bible on my phone, that's what it was. Anyway, but I was on my phone, and I was at Walmart, and I walked right into a sign. Just hit it right there. Some guy had the audacity to roll his window down, his window down and laugh at me. Ha! That's what he did. And he drove off. Now, um... What did I say that for? Anyway, yes. Um, so, but, but God tells us, I want you to walk in the light. When, when you walk, it's a daily step by step. Step by step. We're teaching our little Savannah to walk. And she don't want to. Why would she? She gets carried everywhere. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the bee's knees right there. That's the, that's the setup. But we are eventually hoping to get her walking soon. But you know how we teach her to walk? It's not we... We throw her out and get her to, to run and try to keep up with that. No, we take one step at a time. Let me hold your hands. And we're going to walk one step at a time. And that's the way the Christian life is. It's one step at a time. This is not a marathon. It, it, it is a marathon. It's a long-term marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not something we have to get done today. God says, I just want you to walk in the light as I am in the light. John, first John, if you have a chance this week, look that up. It's powerful. God says, I want you to live a clean and holy life. Um, yes, there are churches out there that preach the grace of God. And we, as, as Kator is saying this morning, we are firm believers in the grace of God. But God has given us His grace, not so we live in sin continually. Well, I got a free ticket to do whatever I want. I got the grace of God in my life. Well, but for the grace of God. But no, that's not the way God wants us to live. Uh, read Romans 8 when you get a chance. God says, listen, I want you to walk daily. Walk in the light. 
Daily say, God, I'm struggling with this. Help me. Help me to overcome this. God, I want to take another step today. I want to walk a little closer to you, Lord. Would you help me? Help me to grow my, my conversation, my testimony to be more like you. So yes, we put off the old man and we put on the new man. Uh, there's a song. I love this song. Take off the old robe and put on the new. Well, the old robe was dirty, all tattered and torn. But the new robe is spotless and had never been worn. Oh, the best thing in my life I ever did do was take off the old robe and put on the new. God says this, I, you've got that old nasty flesh inside of you. And you're going to hold on to that thing for the rest of your life. But I want you to be holy. So yes, put it off. And put on the godly conversation. Put on holiness. We cannot be sinless here on earth. We can't. There's no way. But we can until the day Jesus Christ dies. We can be, we can be more and more sinless. We can sin less more and more and more as we go. Um, so again, it's, it's funny, the, the, uh, but that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to take off the old man and put on the new. Let's look at number three here. If you got your Bible, Second Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 6 through 9. So we talked about, number one, you want God wants us to put off the old man, and not just leave it alone, but He wants us to put on this godly conversation, this godly testimony, how we are supposed to live our life. Then there's some things that we need to look out for. If you look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 6, the Bible says this, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. The, Sodom and, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was an example to us, to show us what God would do to somebody that lived ungodly. But then listen to this. Look at verse number 7. And I do not understand Lot in the Bible. Lot to me is a very interesting character. This is Abraham's nephew. Look at verse number 7. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. This testimony of the wicked. What? Vexed Lot. Righteous Lot. I would not, one of the words I would not use to describe Lot would be righteous. But the Bible calls him righteous. Let's, let's look at verse number eight. For that righteous man, Lot, dwelling among them and seeing and hearing what happened, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. With their unlawful deeds. We have to, yes, we have to be holy. We have to put off the old man. But there is an action. Day by day we have to look out for things that would destroy our testimony. Lot's testimony at the end of his life, he was not one of those people where you have a, a Bible story in Sunday school. All right, kids, let's learn about Lot. He's a great man we can learn from. No, it's not. All right, Lot ended his life uh, with incest with his two daughters. Uh, Lot ended his life with, with running away from God and being a coward. Couldn't even see ten people in his whole city get saved. This is the Lot we're talking about here. But the Bible calls him righteous Lot. Because his soul was righteous because of Jesus Christ, but yet his testimony was damaged because him is being vexed daily because of the testimony of those around him. 
We have to be careful about our testimony. We have to guard our testimony. Why? Because there are people out there that want to hurt our testimony. There are people out there more than anything that wants to see a Christian in the news for, for, uh, for sin. They want to see a preacher being destroyed and a church taken down. That's the way they want to see things. We have to be careful about our testimony. We have to guard our testimony. You have to watch who you hang around. You have to watch where you go. If you were to see uh, that new van that we got, the blue van, and you see as you're driving out here and we're coming out of sheets and I've got four brown bags walking out of my hands, well, you're not going to go, hey, Brother Anthony, what you drinking tonight? No, you're going to be like, what in the world is Brother Aaron doing? Why? Because I have a testimony I have to keep. You have a testimony too. God says, yes, I want you to put off the old man. I want you to put on the new man. But you have to got to guard your testimony. You've got to guard your testimony. Um, when we get cut, all right, um, and sometimes with the kids, even if they don't get cut, what do we do? We clean it up and we put a Band-Aid on that cut. Why? Because we clean the cut so it'll heal and we put a bandage over it, some kind of wound care. Why? Because we don't want any new dirt to get into that cut. We are protecting that cut. We are protecting that wound. That's what a Band-Aid does. But this is what Jesus wants us to do. He says you have a testimony, a delicate testimony if I could add that. You can, it takes a lifetime to earn a great testimony and it takes just seconds to ruin it. Many of us know people. Man, you looked up to them. I, my, my youth pastor growing up. Man, I, I, I learned so much from my youth pastor. I loved my youth pastor. He's the one that helped me as I just started preaching. He's the one that got us to preach on the soul winning bus. But after I got out of college, I heard some news about my youth pastor that, that tore down his testimony within seconds. As the words were leaving the person's mouth, our testimony is delicate. Our testimony is something that we work at every day. But we have to realize that your testimony can be vanished in a minute, in a second. With a word, with a deed that we do, our, our testimony can go. So we have to make sure that we are keeping our testimony. The Bible puts it this way, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We have, we have an attack from the devil. The devil wants nothing more than to see Christians defeated. And if he can't defeat you and make you live in discouragement, well, he's going to bring attacks towards you. And there will be things that, that you'll, be, you'll be tempted to sin and you'll have the lust of the flesh come in your life. And we have, it'll ruin our testimony. It'll ruin our testimony. You know, it's, it's important, the company of friends that you have. Just like Lot here. The Bible says that they, these unrighteous, unholy people vexed his righteous soul day by day. To the point where Lot came to his family and said, Hey, the angels have told us God's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. we got to get out of here. And the Bible says that his family laughed at him. That is a man that did not have a testimony. That is a man that had no influence, spiritual influence in his life. Why? Because he ruined it day by day. Just gradually, he lost his testimony. Here's the thing. Um, we are to keep our testimony. We're to keep it clean. We're to keep our lives clean. Uh, the, the, your company of friends, like I said here, again, right? Lot was, was, was his, his conversation, his testimony was destroyed because of the company of friends that he kept. You have to be careful who your friends are or people that you listen to. Um, for me, personally, I cannot watch the news or keep up with the news every day. I just can't. Because my mind is going to say, man, there are people out there that are trying to get our kids. And yes, I understand that. But I do not need to hear that every day. 
I do not need to hear every day how, um, you know, the, 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 as somebody said, um, out of the, um, the, the news has, uh, has accurately predicted the last 20, or last four of, or sorry, I messed that one up. Last 20 of the real four recessions that happened. Anyway, i got to work on that one. But anyway, here's the thing. The, the, the news media lives off of fear. They're telling you, hey, the world's going to end. The dollar's going to go bankrupt. You're not going to have any money. Man, there, there's people that are dying in the streets. And I just can't live with that every day. I can't. But maybe you can. Maybe you have a better tolerance level or maybe you can handle that. But we have to guard what comes into our heart because we have a testimony to keep. I can't live life in anger and fear. I can't. I have to watch who I, I listen to. You can choose who your friends are, but you cannot choose how they influence you. You can't. You don't know. You, you'll, you'll have a group of friends that you're like, well, they're not the best, but you know, we have a lot of fun, my coworkers or whatever, we just hang out and stuff. But, but eventually, they will influence you in ways you never knew because our testimony is so precious. We have to guard it. We have to work at keeping our testimony. Now, why? Why go through all this effort? Why go through all this effort to daily put off the old man, to put on the new, to work at keeping the, 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 the new, our testimony clean, keeping our testimony right? Why go through all this effort? This is what the Bible says in 1 Peter 2. Turn there with me. We'll be finished here. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 11. The Bible says this, 1 Peter 2, 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from, filthy, from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Important that we have our testimony honest. That, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, be your good, uh, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Why do we live a clean life? Why do we try to keep our testimony right? Because there is a lost and dying world out there. And they need somebody, a Christian, that this, is, this means business to them. This is not just a place we go to to interact with other people. This is my life. I am a Christian. I want to serve God. Why do I keep a clean life? Because there are people out there that will see your good works and they will glorify this with God says about be a light in the world. Be a light in the world. Why? Because they'll see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We, we, we do good works. We keep a good testimony because we want to see the lost saved. Um, who am I to have a drinking buddy and go into the bar and say, hey, what you really need is you need Jesus, all right? And then have a couple of drinks with this guy. That guy's not going to care about anything I say. Why? Because I have, my testimony has been marred in his eyes. We keep a testimony because we, there are a lost and dying world that needs to get saved. And we need to glorify God. Um, 1 Peter 3, we won't look at it, but the lady, um, the lady got her husband was saved because of her chaste conversation, her chaste testimony. She lived a life of purity, and God used that so her husband got saved. There, uh, so anyway, it's important that we have a godly testimony. We are living a gospel, a chapter each day, by deed that we do, by word that we say. Men read what we live, whether faithless or true. Tell me, friend, what is the gospel according to you? Will you be a Christian? Yes, a Christian is a sermon in shoes. That's what we are. They, uh, many people, the only thing they know about the Bible is you. Many people will never read the Bible in their whole life, and the only thing they know about it is the way you live your life. How are we representing the gospel? How are we representing Jesus Christ? There was a man, Gandhi, many of you know who that is, um, a very prominent Buddhist monk. And Gandhi did a, a deep, in-depth study 
of Christianity. He did a deep study of Christ and Christianity. And this was his conclusion. He says, your Christ is wonderful. He's talking to a Christian man here. Oh, so wonderful. But you Christians are not like him. I believe in the teachings of Christ, but you on the other side of the world do not. I read the Bible faithfully and see little in Christendom that those who profess Christ pretend to see. Gandhi says in his life, the only reason that I'm not a Christian is because of Christians. Because of the way that they live their life. It's not real to them. It's not true enough to them to, to, to mean business. So why would I want anything to do with that? Yes, Christianity is worth it. Yes, living a Christian life is worth it. Yes, what does that look like? That's putting off the old flesh. Those desires, those things that have held us back. Putting those away. Putting on Jesus Christ. Living a godly life. Living in walking in the light of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. How is your testimony tonight? Do you have a testimony that, that is honest? Do you have a testimony that people can glorify God through? Or do you have a testimony of being one of the guys? Being one of those that... Uh, that, that can't control themselves, that live a life of sin and fi- fulfill the, f- the desires of the flesh. How is our testimony tonight? I'm going to ask a couple questions here. If there's anybody here that, that if you know 100% sure that you're going to heaven, you know that sick and I die, that I'm going to go to heaven. If that's you, you know 100% sure. If you just raise your hand for me. Hey Amen. Put your hands down. If you couldn't raise your hand and you say, I don't know for sure that if I were to die that I'd go to heaven, I want to know. I want some help. I would like to know. I have some doubts. If that's you, would you raise your hand for me tonight? I won't embarrass you, but I just want to pray for you. All right, Christians, we have to do business with God. God wants us to live a life of holiness. God wants us to keep a godly Christian testimony in all that we do. We're going to have the instrumentalist play. If everybody will stand and we'll pray, we'll have the instrumentalist play. As soon as I get done praying, come down to an old-fashioned altar and let's do some business with God. Dear Lord, we thank you so much. Lord, We, what is man that thou art mindful of him? God, we are so sinful. Uh, Lord, I, I am, I'm nowhere near on the market that I should be of living a Christian life. But God, I still wake up every morning and you have your mercy there for me. God, I still know that every time I come to you, I can come to you and you'll give me forgiveness and cleansing of my sins. Lord, I thank you so much for the blood that you shed for me. Help us, Lord, not to just live our life for us and our fleshly desires, Lord, but to live our life in such a way that people would glorify God. To live our life in such a way that somebody would get saved. Somebody would, life would, life would be changed because of the way we live our life. Yes, this doesn't negate soul winning, but what is a soul winner that doesn't have a great testimony? God, help us as we strive to keep our testimony the way it should be. And as the instrumentalists play, you come down to the front to an altar.